Dennis, good to be back with you. Good Episode to be here. Uh, four or five of Data Disciples. That's uh, right. Long hiatus, six weeks. Yeah, things have changed corporate wise for us and the world a little bit, uh, wouldn't you say? Yeah, a lot of developments in the crypto space in general. Um, crypto markets got whacked, um, and <laughs> maybe perhaps a bit of an understatement, even. Yeah, that, yeah, a bit of an understatement. Where are we at on the fear and greed index? Uh, we're negative right now. Um, so <laughs> in the crypto markets, a lot of, uh, ruckus has happened. Um, but definitely a great time for some, a terrible time for others, but for us, it's an opportune moment. You would say, I? uh, it's been a bit of, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that, that is true. You know, information, uh, protects, uh, protects your assets, you know, using the right information for sure. I, I would say there's been a bit of a lunar new year and the focus <laughs> on the first four letters of that word. That's right. Um, yeah, we could talk about the UST collapse that happened. Uh, so basically, Luna or UST is supposed to be one to one with the US dollar. Okay. So whenever it goes above the threshold of one dollar, they will um, increase supply of UST. So that artificially brings down the price and vice versa. Um, so basically, what they were doing, the price went down. So they burned. UST tokens to bring the price up. But with that money, they were buying Luna, their own cryptocurrency. So that basically made the price shoot down because Luna was crashing. And that brought down UST from a one to one to like a 0 0.03 to one. So what are our thoughts on the algorithmic stable coins as a whole? Like given that we've seen this collapse, is it is it like, you know, really hurting the model? Um, of algorithmic stable coins just period or is this a one-off sort of mismanagement issue i think in terms of um how consumers and traders are viewing the stable coin issue um it's giving a really bad reputation to all the stable coins um but the truth is a lot of the stable coins especially usdc which is managed by circle and um, coinbase it's right a partnership right um that one is the best stable coin there is because that it's literally like if you want to buy one USDC, uh, you you buy one US, you transmit to the issuer one US dollar. Coinbase and Circle will uh, will go and buy one US dollars worth of currency, and then give you one USDC. Now I've always wondered what are the operating sort of what's how do they subsidize the operating costs to you know if you're if you're pegged one to one. There's a cost of transacting and running the actual infrastructure required to support the stablecoin uh, infrastructure. So how does that work? Do you know? Well, there would be gas fees involved in transferring okay. um, um, transferring the cryptocurrency or lending it or, uh, or trading it. So exchanges will have to pay um, the token issuers. Um, pay, they'll have to pay fees. Uh, in order for the token issuers to be able to sustain their own operations. Mm -hmm. So like there is a point point one percent transaction fee uh, when you want to trade any coin. Um, so the exchanges take that and then they'll pay any expenses that they have, one of which include to the um, the token issuers. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, but, very interesting. But in terms of like the, the stable coin um, system as a whole, if they're well run, they're an incredibly um, promising concept to have uh, because you get the crypto benefits without losing the fiat money benefits because you could transact in like 
normal amounts. Right, right. Um, and we've been attending a lot of conferences lately. Um, anything interesting that you've heard through these various events, Crypto Mondays and whatever, about work that people are doing in the stablecoin space? Or are we seeing sort of a general, um, you know, hiatus in the development of new stablecoins because of news-influenced uh, sort of um, fear from the Luna collapse? You know, there's this one family office in the UK, and they have a subdivision, which is a digital, like a crypto development agency, right? And they're basically launching their own stablecoin that's pegged to to both oil, so crude oil, and pegged to gold. Uh, so they'll uh, attribute the values to those commodities. Oh, shoot. Right. Um, and, you, and traders will be able to get the benefits of transacting crypto with low fees or, or paying in, with crypto um, that that tracks the, the value of gold and oil, which is great. Um, and it's definitely something that's, um, um, that gives people the, ben- the benefit. So... Very interesting. So we've seen now, I mean, I've seen personally, I don't know what your experience has been, but sort of like, I've noticed a definite uptick in the, you know, in the enthusiasm that that prospects are having for crypto data. And, uh, you know, both in the volume of requests and the scope of the requests and the urgency of the requests that we're getting for data. And at first, I was a little bit surprised because I expected to see like, a pretty major drop off in just like, anyone doing any kind of work or any fund, any crypto dedicated funds opening up. I know last week you mentioned to me that there's something like 180 crypto funds or something like that. No, it's like over 300. Over 300. Okay. That's crazy. So, and then they are actually investing more and more into their crypto data offer, uh, crypto data um, purchasing uh, procurement operations. So like, why would that be? um, And what are the opportunities for alpha in this market where, you know, based on what's happened really in like April and May of 2022. Yeah. So in light of recent events with the crypto crash, there's actually been an inverse effect happening with um, with the different um, the development of the crypto space. So you have a lot of firms, not just quantitative hedge funds, but also just um, just traditional finance hedge funds that are still wanting to get into crypto even more, because if you're on the right side of the crash, then it's like a big boom for you. But if you're on the wrong side, obviously, like you're you're done. Um, but a lot of funds notice this, and there's so many trading opportunities, whether it's with these stable coins or with different crypto assets or with like lending um, or like crypto like bonds that are starting to come out or like um, uh, the different um, methods that are involved in trading with crypto. Um, the institutions are aware of the applications um, and the immensely profitable opportunities. Um, so they're doing anything they can to profit off of it. So gotcha. a lot of them need the basic form of data, uh, which is market data that we supply. So they need high coverage data to offer or to cover the most arbitrage opportunities as possible. So with more exchanges, they get more arbitrage. With more assets, they get more arbitrage. And they're able to take advantage of those trading opportunities that they wouldn't otherwise be able to through other data sources. Mm-hmm. So uh, at GoQuant, we're also looking into on-chain data, uh, different crypto forensics data, um, and different service offerings to really allow clients to explore the uh, our, our product offerings and just the crypto and navigating the crypto space in general. 
How would you um, help a client evaluate, you know, the value proposition of developing an in-house infrastructure team and an operation to get exchange data on their own versus going to a service provider? Right. So the advantage that GoCoin has of being a service provider will only last so long. Yeah. And it's like a quick solution to funds who just want the data. Right. But we'd actually be able to teach the development teams of these firms how to actually get the data from these exchanges so they don't have to be reliant on anyone uh-huh. to get their, through their data operations. Right. Because the last thing any fund wants is to be liable um, for any mistakes, any trading mistakes or losses or less wins than intended um, at the helm of another data provider who has an issue. Right. So um, no matter how good the data provider is, institutions don't want their dependency on one data provider, which is why a lot of them will build out integration with like dozens of data providers. Um, but we want to be one of those data providers, but also help them navigate the crypto space, not just for data specific, but also on how to trade it, how to build strategies around it, um, and just navigate it as a whole. For sure. For sure. More of like an ecosystem partner. approach. So could you talk about the events that we're about to attend? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So we'll be at Crypto Mondays, uh, actually tomorrow in Greenwich, Connecticut. Um, I'll be attending on our behalf. Uh, on Wednesday, we're heading to Consensus. That's right. Uh, it's going to be a great time. I'm happy to be back in the, uh, in the Lone Star State. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, I think it's going to be huge. Um, you know, there's like 15,000 people going or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. I mean, uh, probably the biggest conference of the year for us, for sure, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the number of people that are going and we can connect with. So that'll be Wednesday to Sunday. Um, on Monday, we're heading to New York City. Um, we have Battlefin on uh, the USS Intrepid uh, in on the Upper West Side, um, which is going to be a great time. Looking forward to seeing the Battlefin people again. Yeah, and our our great advisory team, uh, most of whom are based in uh, the New York area. So that'll be um, that week, the fifteenth and the sixteenth. And then I think we're heading afterwards uh, to an event in Stamford, actually, and and and. Uh, and that event, I, if I recall correctly, what's it called again? The Connecticut Crypto Forum. Connecticut Crypto Forum. So that'll be our first time there. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that one as well, uh, because I think it's a quite a curated um, list of people who are working specifically on innovating in the service, on the service side of uh, DeFi. So, yeah, I mean, these events are great, especially the Crypto Mondays organization. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Bea, One River Digital. Yeah, yeah. Um, great Emily. newsletter, by the way. Yeah, great newsletter. Yeah. Uh, Emily uh, Goodman from Brex. From Brex. That's right. That's right. Um, great, great organizers organizing the event. Uh, Greenwich is specifically great because there's a lot of uh, fund managers and fund participants that are there, and there's not too many people from the service side, uh, which appear at like the New York events or yeah. Um, I guess that's our self-serving interest to be there and like take a little piece of the spotlight and that's right sell our service. But but the 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 thing is we do have to give them a shout out too, really to the Greenwich uh, team organizing team because they're the ones that have motivated us and sort of like unlocked the opportunity because we're launching our own Crypto Mondays Montreal. That's right. So we spoke yeah. with Lou Kerner, great guy, great guy, <laughs> um, and uh, we're launching Crypto Mondays Montreal. 
Uh, so Crypto Mondays, I'll give a brief um, uh, summary to the audience, is a decentralized crypto networking community focused on just people networking. It's a non-for-profit just um, for the benefit of the greater good of the crypto community. Yeah, so we're it's in 70 cities worldwide. We're hosting oh, Montreal. Wow. Yeah, 70. it's grown quite a bit. We're hosting Crypto Mondays Montreal, um, and it'll be on June 20th. Solid, solid. So I'm looking forward. We'll both be there. Right after the Formula One. That's Grand right. Grand Prix of Canada in Montreal. Last question for you. We're going to leave it on this. Personal one. Valuations. Valuations. Okay. Valuations have fallen dramatically. What do you think? Are we going to see a recovery in the, in the multiple, uh, back to the multiple for fintechs that was really insane, um, that we had in late 2021 and early 22? Or are we going back to, you know, pre 14x, 15x valuations? There's no way we're seeing the same valuations that we saw earlier this year. Um, I mean, just forget the crypto crash that happened. But just the, the market as a whole and the willingness from VCs to participate um, is has gone down dramatically. Yeah. So that's kind of unfortunate. But um, I mean, you can't sustain this environment forever because you can't get like thousand X multiples on like on Series A companies um, that 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 these uh, VCs have tended to invest in. So that's. It's to answer your question, it's unsustainable and no, it might be a few years, but what companies can focus on is getting their revenue um, and just bootstrapping it from what they can do. Uh, but the top tier fintechs or DeFi companies will be able to get the financing that they need. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I've, I've, I've definitely, um, I, I was concerned there for a minute, you know, given that obviously we're a growing organization, but... I agree with you that they this unlocks other, you know, strategies that might have been overlooked, just like organic revenue growth and stuff. And there is, you know, outside financing available. And, uh, you know, what's happened with the crash in valuations really has weeded out, you know, some companies that maybe need some more time before they can, they should raise that money. And, <clears throat> excuse me, it allows more well-positioned players, you know, perhaps data providers like us someday to rise to the top. So I guess there's a silver lining in every uh, every market downturn. Yep, but we're confident we could pull it off. Damn straight. Thanks for joining again. All right. Um, Thank you to the audience for listening. Yep, yep. And uh, uh, we'll see you in the next one. Hopefully sooner than six weeks from now. We'll make one in Austin. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. All right. Great speaking, Dennis.